I'm Joy Dice, the 2021-2022 President of the Junior League of Atlanta, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of JLA Inside Out, stories from inside and outside of the Junior League of Atlanta. everyone. My name is Sarah Cadigan and I serve as the Vice President of Advocacy and Initiatives for the Junior League of Atlanta. I am thrilled to be presenting one episode of the inaugural Junior League of Atlanta podcast and I want to thank Colleen, our wonderful marketing uh, council member who has spearheaded this initiative for inviting me and for really having this fantastic idea as well as Erin Canaday, our Vice President of Marketing who has been so supportive of it. So for over a century, the Junior League has served as a very powerful agent for positive community change and impact in the city of Atlanta. Some of us may be aware that the League has founded vitally important nonprofit organizations in our city, places like the Atlanta Speech School, the Atlanta Children's Shelter, Chris 180, and Trees Atlanta, among many others. Junior League members are trained and educated each year in thoughtful, strategic, and effective service and leadership which allows them to not only better serve our community through our placements and partners, but also to take that training into their own professional and personal lives. This is something that has been uh, really important for me. I am a college professor in my professional life, and I certainly don't get the kind of leadership and management training that the Junior League provides for me. Um, So this is one of the most important things that the League does. And of course, as one of the oldest and largest philanthropic and volunteer organizations in Atlanta, the League has long served as a voice for those most in need in our community. The Junior League of Atlanta has also long worked in public advocacy. And although this has been part of the League's work since the very beginning, it may be one that some of you are less familiar with. As the Vice President of Advocacy and Initiatives this League year, I am most excited to speak with you all today about Junior League advocacy, which will be the subject of this particular podcast. The JLA has engaged in advocacy since its very beginnings in the early 20th century. So the League is founded in 1916, but just five years later, in 1921, the League established a legislative committee. And this was to study, quote, this is coming from our bylaws and governance, those laws affecting women and children, and to bring pressure to bear on the legislature of Georgia and on Congress for the passage of suitable laws, end quote. I really think this is quite extraordinary when we think about this. Um, Not only is this 1921, so just five years after the League is founded, uh, but we have to keep in mind that most of our League members at this time would have not been college educated necessarily. Uh, They would have probably had a high school diploma. If that, they would have worked from the home, um, not so much in the professional world. And so to establish a legislative committee that is going to study laws, um, as well as bring pressure to bear on both our state legislature as well as Congress, that's the federal level, this is absolutely incredible to think about our Junior League women in 1921 doing this. And it really establishes and stresses how important advocacy has long been to the League's work and mission. In the 1930s and 1940s, the Junior League of Atlanta initiated uh, several public awareness campaigns around advocacy issues. We actually had a newspaper column in the Atlanta Journal, uh, as well as our own radio show. So actually, I was talking to Erin Canaday, our Vice President of Marketing, and Joy Dias, our uh, President this year, and we were talking about how this podcast is, in many respects, a throwback to the original uh, Junior League Radio Hour, which uh, occurred in the late 1930s and 1940s. 
Um, I will say that some of the uh, things that were on both the column and on the radio were more sort of junior league gossip, which is um, in and of itself amusing to think about, but a lot of it was about raising public awareness and to hear women's voices doing this and doing it in a sort of service and public sphere is again quite incredible to think about, uh, particularly as we imagine at that point in time, you know, the United States is entering World War II, the league was really serving as a voice uh, on the home front for the kind of things that needed to uh, change and um, be better in Atlanta. Moving into the 1960s and the 1970s, the Junior League worked in environmental advocacy. Uh, we helped establish environmental protections for Georgia's rivers, in particular for the Chattahoochee River here in Atlanta. And we also advocated for state air quality controls, uh, really making sure that the federal uh, Clean Air Act would be initiated uh, properly in Georgia. And our work was so important for this that we were actually at the signing of the bill by the governor. In the 1980s, the League received a National Juvenile Justice Award for its advocacy for Georgia's children experiencing homelessness. And we also launched public awareness campaigns around child and drug abuse. Uh, this was a little bit different than, say, having a newspaper column or a radio show. A lot of it was um, producing brochures that could be used by state agencies, um, and this is really what the award was for. We were one of the first organizations to um, kind of have scientifically as well as um, social work studied evidence about how to best uh, help and aid children who might be experiencing abuse uh, at the home, um, and these were used by our state agencies for a number of years in the 1980s and 1990s. Again, really the League is at the forefront of that. Now most recently, in terms of our advocacy, the League has been on the forefront of advocating for revisions to Georgia law for the victims of sex trafficking. And in 2016, we successfully helped pass the Safe Harbor Act which extended the statute of limitations for child sex victims. It allowed them essentially to uh, continue to um, push for their um, perpetrators to be tried up until age 25, when normally the statute of limitations uh, ended at age 18 for them. It also had a lot of other important provisions like providing funds uh, for victims of sex trafficking. Now today, the Junior League of Atlanta's nonpartisan advocacy takes a variety of forms. And I say nonpartisan very deliberately here uh, because this is one of the most important aspects of our advocacy work. It is nonpartisan. Nonpartisan means that we do not support specific people or specific political parties in our advocacy work. So it means that we really support policies and not people. We do not advocate and we cannot advocate for a specific political candidate for office, for a particular elected official, nor for a particular party. We advocate for policies, not people. We're nonpartisan. Now, nonpartisan doesn't necessarily mean bipartisan, and this is also very important to know. Bipartisan means that we have both parties or two people of opposing viewpoints coming together. So we can think here, of course, in the United States, this would mean primarily Republicans and Democrats are coming together to support something. Oftentimes, nonpartisan work can be bipartisan, but it doesn't have to be necessarily. Our work in the Junior League of Atlanta is nonpartisan. So this means that usually when we are supporting, say, a particular piece of legislation or opposing a particular piece of legislation, uh, it might be bipartisan. It might have support or opposition from both parties, but it doesn't have to be. As long as it is about the policy and not about a particular person or party, it is going to stick with our nonpartisan stance. Our nonpartisan uh, stance is uh, kind of twofold. It is a tax requirement for us as a 5013B nonprofit. Uh, so we are not allowed to engage in partisan advocacy under this tax code. 
Uh, but really, it also makes our work more effective, we might say, from just a strategic perspective. Uh, because we're nonpartisan, we are really about thinking about issues, thinking about policies, and not necessarily diving into the more personal and certainly what can be uh, more controversial um, or lead to disagreements when we're talking about political figures or particular political parties. Uh, so for me, in working in junior league advocacy, um, it's been you know, such a great experience in every respect because not only have I learned so much about policy from a nonpartisan perspective, which makes me a more educated citizen, uh, but it really allows us to have a stronger voice when we do advocate for things because uh, elected officials, uh, fellow citizens, other organizations, our partners, they know that we're coming from a perspective where we're not looking at particular parties or people. We are not biased, essentially. Uh, we are more objective. Uh, and this really does give a great strength to junior league advocacy. Now, an important thing also to keep in mind about junior league advocacy is not only is it nonpartisan, but it can also be decidedly political. Sometimes we hear the term political and it can have negative connotations for us, right? We think that political means partisan. And of course, sometimes partisan politics absolutely are political, but political really in the broadest sense means that you are engaging in things that affect the public good, that affect public policy, that affect public laws. The Junior League of Atlanta and really any other nonprofit organization absolutely should be beholden to influencing the way that our laws, the way that our policy is initiated. So we can be decidedly political, but our politics and the way that we advocate is going to be nonpartisan. So also important to keep this in mind. This is not to say that the league can't come out against issues that might be controversial or might be decidedly political, but we're going to do so in a nonpartisan way. One final thing to keep in mind too, just with definitions about junior league advocacy, and this is true for all nonpartisan, uh, excuse me, for nonprofit advocacy in general, is that we also are allowed to lobby under our 5013B tax status. Lobby also can sometimes be a sort of bad word. We hear it and we think, oh, you know, people who are being paid to just sort of, um, you know, convince people rightly or wrongly of something for a corporation or for some cause. Um, but lobbying in its basic level is just advocacy. It's just specifically working with and speaking with elected officials to pass or push forward some sort of new policy or piece of legislation um, or to affect some kind of change. Um, lobbying, according to the IRS, is perfectly fine for nonprofit organizations. However, it cannot be a significant portion of what we do. And so they take that as really a 20% kind of work expenditure, if you will. So technically, the Junior League of Atlanta could even hire a lobbyist. We could hire someone to uh, lobby for the policies that we think need to be enacted at, say, the state capitol, um, but we could only pay that person 20% of our annual operating budget. We could only devote 20% of our work that we do in the league to that. So this is also important to keep in mind because it means that the Junior League of Atlanta and other nonprofits absolutely should be engaged in lobbying. We have a perspective and expertise that our elected officials need to know about. It's so vital that they hear from women in their community, women who are trained and effective volunteers, women who are aware of the issues and working with partners who serve our community, but we just can't make that the majority of what we do. So in conclusion, Junior League of Atlanta advocacy is nonpartisan, it may be bipartisan and political, and it also can engage in lobbying, but it just can't be the majority of what we do in terms of our work. 
So what does our advocacy work take the form of today? Well, there are sort of three main areas that the Junior League of Atlanta works on in terms of advocacy, and they all fall under our Advocacy and Initiatives Council. That's what I'm the vice president of this year, which I'm honored to serve as, really a privilege to be in this position. But we have sort of three main committees, uh, three main working areas within advocacy and initiatives within Junior League Advocacy. And the first, and I would say really the most important, although all three are really vital to the work that we do, is our Public and Political Affairs Committee, or PAC, as it is acronym, uh, acronymized is what I want to say, but made into an acronym. So the Public and Political Affairs Committee, PAC, it specifically monitors and supports legislation that is relevant to the league's mission, and it works directly with local and state elected officials, as well as our junior league community partners, to advance these policies. This is our political group in the league. These are our women, as well, along with our chair and chair-elect of PAC, who are working directly on policy, legislation, and then going to elected officials to specifically advocate for that. They're also working with our community partners to help advance perhaps legislation or policies that they would like to see enacted. The work that PAC does, and this is true of all junior league advocacy work, it is guided by our annually approved public stands. And our public stands are a series of affirmative position statements that provide a framework for the league's advocacy. Our public stands are revised each year, and then they're approved by the board of directors. And then you can find them on our public-facing website. So you can go to jlatlanta.org, and they're under the advocacy tab there. Our public stands this year fall under four different areas. They are equity, education, health, and aid and protection. And our public stands, as I said, are a series of affirmative position statements that really provide this framework for us in terms of the advocacy that we do each year. They are going to certainly be affected by our issue-based community impact areas, which are generational poverty, commercial sexual exploitation of women and children, human trafficking, and early childhood education. But the public stands are really more holistic to the entire mission of the league as a whole, which is to serve women and children. And because they're changed, they're revised and reapproved every single year, they really allow us to be kind of on the pulse of what is particularly important in that year. Um, so last year, for instance, when we were in the middle of a global pandemic, clearly our public stands didn't necessarily have something that was talking about, um, you know, increasing, say, access to vaccines, public health information. Um, and so what's great about the public stands is that we could then respond to that as a league, we could really be on, again, the forefront of what was particularly the need in the community at that moment. And so this is why they are so important, and it's also why they're revised and reapproved every single year. So I wanted to read just a couple of them uh, for you all just to get a sense for some examples. But again, these are posted on our public-facing website. They're under the Advocacy tab. So for equity, Junior League of Atlanta supports policies and initiatives that remove barriers to success because of a person's race, color, religion, gender, disability, sexual orientation, gender identity or expression, national origin or ethnicity. And these include or but are not limited to efforts related to addressing the root causes of generational poverty, increasing access to affordable housing, criminal justice reform measures aimed at ensuring equity throughout the legal process and working to keep families intact, and education on and access to voter registration and voting locations, including but not limited to mail-in voting. So there's another example of one that was added last year when, of course, it was really vital in the midst of a global pandemic that we had the greatest access uh, to voting. 
Our education public stands include ensuring that all children reach critical education milestones, promoting family and community engagement in schools, supporting access to family literacy programs. Health is increasing access to comprehensive health education, training, research, diagnosis, and support, improving access and increasing funding for high quality, comprehensive, and preventative mental and physical health care. And then finally, for aid and protection, and again, there are more, of course, these are just some examples. We support accessible, affordable, and high-quality child care for all families, the protection of women and children from emotional and physical violence, and assistance for those who have been victims of these crimes, and eliminating hunger and homelessness. Really would encourage all of you to take a look at the public stands, um, and uh, of course, if you have any questions, to reach out to me or to our incredible PAC team, which is chaired this year by Ann Brody. Now, returning to PAC itself, PAC overall is going to, as I said, be monitoring and supporting legislation and policies that are relevant to our mission and then working with state and local officials to advance those policies, as well as with our community partners. Our PAC committee looks directly at legislation that is coming up. Our Georgia legislative session happens in January, February, and March, sometimes goes into April. It always starts the first full Monday after uh, New Year's Day in January, and it goes for 40 days. They do not have to be consecutive, though. Um, and traditionally, I have to say that it usually ends before the Masters Tournament in April, um, so that our predominantly still male legislators uh, can get down to Augusta to see that tournament. But it can technically you know, go into you know, late April, but usually it ends by the end of March. So PAC really in the sort of summer and fall is revising the public stands and working with our board to get those re-approved. Then PAC is beginning in November to start looking at the pre-filing of bills and legislation that our elected officials at the state capitol have begun preparing themselves. PAC would also be uh, contacting our partners at this time to see if they have any particular advocacy needs that they can help with. And then once the legislative session starts in January, this is really when PAC's work takes off. They're going to be actively, by as a committee, uh, looking and monitoring specific bills. And then this is going to culminate in the Junior League of Atlanta's annual Capital Day, which is when we uh, go down to the Capitol itself as a league, and we specifically advocate and speak with uh, our elected officials there about the bills that we particularly want to support and we want to go forward. Um, this is always one of my favorite days of the entire league year, um, and it's such a wonderful example of the incredible work that the league does, because uh, we have been recognized from the floor of the House of representatives in Georgia for our work in the community. Our legislators really do listen to us. Our voice is important to them. Um, Capital Day is really the most kind of visible way that we do this, but our PAC members, along with sending out kind of alerts to the entire league, would also be calling our elected officials, potentially attending hearings and speaking at that, um, emailing them. And this absolutely makes a difference. Um, we're very fortunate that one of our sustainer members, uh, Representative Terry Anulowitz, uh, who is a former PAC chair, is a member of the State House. She is a representative from Smyrna. Uh, and Terry told me an incredible story uh, about last year about how there was a particular bill. It was about um, raising the statute of limitations for victims of domestic violence. Um, and it was stalling in committee. And Terry let us know. And so because we were supporting that bill, uh, we got all of our PAC members to get on the phone, to email, um, and Terry told me that the committee chair told her the next day that he brought it to the floor specifically because of the Junior League of Atlanta women. So this is absolutely incredible, vital, impactful work that we do. Our Public and Political Affairs Committee, our PAC, also is a part of SPAC, which is the state 
Public and Political Affairs Committee of the United Junior Leagues of Georgia. So we have now 13 junior leagues in the state of Georgia. Our 13th one is the Golden Isles. Um, so like Sea Island and St. Simons, they just uh, formed a year or two ago. But all of our junior leagues of Georgia come together and also do advocacy work. And they do this through our state public and political affairs committee. It's called SPAC. Ours is PAC. Uh, our chair and our chair-elect of our PAC committee in the Junior League serve as our representatives to SPAC. They have quarterly meetings in a different Georgia city. Uh, so this is another great part of doing advocacy work in the league. I really enjoyed getting to meet uh, women from all over our state when I was PAC chair um, and get to travel too. We had our, one of our meetings in Savannah, for instance. Um, you know, Sometimes they're in Macon, Gainesville, uh, Albany. Uh, we've had our SPAC meeting most recently was here in Atlanta in the summer. Uh, so SPAC is also great, and they do similar work to our PAC um, but it's really important that we are doing it from a whole state perspective because this also um, you know, has a different effect at the state capitol. You know, sometimes, to be honest, people are a little bit sick of hearing from the people from Atlanta. Um, and of course, Georgia is a much larger state than just our metro area. So it is very powerful when we have um, junior league women from across our state specifically advocating uh, for legislation as a whole. Now, our next committee within our Advocacy and Initiatives Council on the League, our really next kind of advocacy work, is coalition strategy. And coalition strategy places junior league members on local and regional coalitions of nonprofits, governmental agencies, and other organizations that work with women and children. And this really gives the junior league a seat at the table for these important conversations and initiatives. But it also provides our Junior League of Atlanta century-long perspective and expertise. So we have right now seven coalitions that we sit on as a league. They include things like the Georgia Infant Toddler Alliance. They also include PACT, Promise All Atlanta's Children Thrive. Uh, we also have recently joined two new coalitions, the Georgia Justice Project, which works for criminal justice reform. Uh, and Georgia ACT, which is advancing communities together, just sort of overall looking at um, supporting uh, smaller communities within the metro Atlanta area. And so coalition strategy um, has been a wonderful kind of new initiative that we have done in advocacy in the league uh, because it is really giving the junior league, as I said, a seat at the table for these conversations, but it's making sure that our voice and our expertise is also present there. And we really do bring something quite special given uh, the history of our organization um, and the number of nonprofits, partners, um, and just the community in general that we serve um, and touch. Coalition strategy is really coming off of our issue-based community impact model, uh, which, as some of you might know, is really strategically concentrating the Junior League of Atlanta's work in different areas. Part of this model is that you initially train your members in these issue areas, but then you want to be serving in larger organizations that focus on these. So this has been um, a nice evolution as we have successfully implemented the IBCI model uh, and our representatives who serve as our junior league representatives on these coalitions, um, they do such important work and they're able to also bring that work back to the league. Um, Erica Smith, for instance, who is our coalition rep for PACT, Promise All Atlanta Children Thrive, uh, she's really been able to provide us with um, really vital and important information around educational access uh, and availability in the city of Atlanta, and then we can use that to give to our other partners to do uh, 
to, to advance, um, enhance our work with our placements. It also helps us in terms of our own legislative policy and advocacy work there. So it, coalition strategy really kind of touches a lot of different areas of the league and allows us to be that expert as well as to get that expertise and bring it back. And then our last main committee of our Advocacy and Initiatives Council is the Community Needs Assessment Committee, or CNAC. Had a lot of acronyms today, as we always do with the Junior League. Our Community Needs Assessment Committee, CNAC. CNAC is a committee that specifically is looking at new community needs for the Junior League of Atlanta to serve and lead in. So it is very much a research committee. And Marini Brown, our director of impacts and measurements this year, always calls it kind of intelligence gathering, which I like. It is looking at, through various research methods, new areas, new needs, new places where the Junior League of Atlanta can serve and lead in. Why is this important? Well, we always want to be at the forefront of community needs. We always want to be really serving in the areas where we need to the most, where there is the most need for service. And so CNAC is really important because it is assessing and researching uh, and telling us what these new community needs are. So this research can take a variety of forms. Um, it can be traditional things, of course, like you know, looking at uh, policy papers, newspaper articles. Uh, it could be uh, through interviews, say, with our partners um, and kind of hearing about what things that they're seeing. Uh, but one very vital part of the research that CNAC does is our assets and opportunities map. This is an incredible digital map that was created for the league in 2016-2017 and spearheaded by the CNAC chair at the time, Chris Brodnan, that shows Metro Atlanta. So we see a geographical map of Metro Atlanta. And then it has different layers that show us both where Junior League of Atlanta members live, where our partners and placements are, but then it's overlaid with the United Way Child Wellbeing Index. This is an initiative out of the United Way of Greater Atlanta that assesses child well-being. So things like education level, levels of poverty, um, access to affordable housing, uh, third grade reading levels, um, high school graduation rates. And so when we have this overlay where we can see child well-being and then we can see where our partners and placements are along with our members, it really allows us to assess where are the geographical areas of the city where there is the most need. And and these tend to be in the south of Atlanta, so south of I-20. And this is really where the Junior League of Atlanta needs to serve and lead in more. These are the areas of the city where we have the greatest need. The map is so important because it's also updated every single year, so we can kind of continue to see where we've gotten new placements and partners. Um, it's been really wonderful just from a visual and geographic perspective to see, wow, we recognized that the south side of Atlanta was where there was more need, and now we have these new partners here in comparison to you know maybe some more areas of the city where we might traditionally have served in, like say downtown or midtown or the north side. Because it's also updated every year, it also allows us to kind of have a pulse of where the needs are as well as where our members live even. Just from a sort of membership perspective, it makes us kind of see uh, how demographically and geographically um, our membership is changing and then how we need to kind of continue to pivot to best serve where we need to. So CNAC is extremely important they might not be engaged in my, you know, we say direct advocacy the way that PAC is, or to a certain extent the way that coalition strategy is, but they are making sure that the league remains current, 
that the league remains on the pulse at the forefront of where we need to serve and lead. And through their research, they're able to really give us a strategic and high-level overview each year of new directions for the league to move forward in. That is our Junior League of Atlanta advocacy work right now. And in closing, I just want to encourage all of you uh, to take a look more at our public stands that are on our website, but really to contact me if you are interested in Junior League of Atlanta advocacy. I am so passionate about the work that we do uh, and the collaboration that it has amongst all the incredible women uh, that I have the privilege to serve with here in the league, but really would encourage anyone who has questions about it um, or is interested in, say, serving on PAC, maybe being a coalition uh, strategy rep, maybe joining our CNAC committee in the future, to please be in touch with me. I'm always happy to speak with all of that. But I'll also just close once again with thanks to Colleen uh, for having such a wonderful idea for this podcast and for being so flexible um, and accommodating to making it. It's women like her who really make the league so special and continue to make everyone aware of the incredible work that we're doing. Thank you very much, and I hope that I will be hearing from some of you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of JLA Inside Out. If you have feedback, thoughts, or questions, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at insideout at jlatlanta.org.